Welcome to week one of our new series that we're doing at Penrith Baptist Church called Help Holy Spirit. It's going to go over eight weeks and why we called it Help Holy Spirit was because there's, a, there's some words that Jesus used which talk about him sending the Spirit, the helper or the advocate, uh, the encourager. And so we thought about we could call it unquenchable and we called it, called it all sorts of different things. But basically, we wanted to actually get out of this series uh, a fresh understanding of we have the Holy Spirit in our lives and he wants to help us. He wants to in, he encourage us. He wants to gift us. He wants to, to work through us. He wants to do mission through us. He wants to uh, purify us and grow us. He wants to bear fruit in our lives. But what we also want to go to this series is the Holy Spirit. He is more than a topic. He is more uh, than, than a force. Though in a, we read about uh, in Acts 4, we read about the, the, the place shaking or the building shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. But he's more than a, than a force. He's more than a metaphor. Though we read in the Bible metaphors describing him as wind, fire, breath. He's even described as a dove when he descends on Jesus. But we wanted to actually really explore the Holy Spirit and take a personal journey on him, with him on being alive in us, on him being more than, than the, a doctrine of the work of the Holy Spirit. I know for myself over the years when I've spoken about the Holy Spirit and I've spoken about him, I've often focused quite heavily on the work of the Holy Spirit, which we will do later in the series, and not enough on the person of the Holy Spirit and the gift he is to us. Let me read to you from John chapter 16, verse 7, the words that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit when he was talking to the disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. That's the English Standard Version. The NLT says, but, in, but says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, in the ESV, it talks about the Holy Spirit as the helper. But the thing I want to pull out of this is Jesus' words saying, I must go because it will be better for you if the Holy Spirit comes. Francis Chan, in his, in his book, Forgotten God, which is a really, it's, a, it's a, just over 100 pages. It's a really good book written on the Holy Spirit as the forgotten aspect of the Trinity, the forgotten God. He actually says these words. Better to have the Holy Spirit inside you than Jesus beside you. Now, when he talks about this, I'm kind of with him because surely the best thing we could have is the is Jesus beside us. You know, what would Jesus do? The WWJD. Right? Having Jesus, imagine, imagine what it would have been like to walk with Jesus beside you as the disciples did. And yet Jesus is here saying to the disciples, it's better to have the Holy Spirit inside you than me beside you. It's to your advantage if I go. Let's just stop for a moment. Do we really believe that? Do we, do we really believe that it's, it's to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit in us than to have Jesus beside us? 
Now, I'll read a little bit more about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, because he said the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus uh, more in us, the real, revealed the resurrected Jesus in us. It's really interesting that Jesus died, rose again three days later, and for 40 days revealed himself as the risen Saviour, and then ascended into heaven. But as he ascends into heaven, he commissioned us to see the world come to know, come to see the world come to know him in relationship. He leaves. But he says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. And he says, and you will wait in Jerusalem till you receive on power the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. He will equip you. He will fill you. He will, he will manifest through you to be witnesses to Jesus. Here, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So Jesus was under no illusion that the Holy Spirit, we would have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it's to our advantage that, that, that he goes, the Holy Spirit takes hold of our lives. I don't know about you, but I love Jesus a lot. And the idea of Jesus, it's because Jesus has said these words that gives me great confidence in pressing into the person of the Holy Spirit. So we call this, this series Help Holy Spirit. Help Holy Spirit, because we want to live out the life that Jesus has commissioned us to in Matthew 28. Now, Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit is who was given to us to live out that Great Commission. There's three, a few things I want to pick up about the Holy Spirit in this particular week one. And basically, it's the principle that the Holy Spirit is God. I'm going to go into the Trinity a little bit more next week. But first thing I want to say is we need to cry out, help Holy Spirit as my God. Help Holy Spirit as my God. He's the God who saves. He, Holy, the Holy Spirit saves us. Let me read to you from uh, Titus 3, 4 and 5. But when God our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And here it is. He washed away our sins by giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. We read in John 3, 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You've heard the phrase being born again or being born of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. Basically, the Holy Spirit rebirths us. And the Holy Spirit is, is the one who eternally secures us. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, that's eternal life, and that he purchased us to be his own people. That's the sacrifice of Jesus. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So the Holy Spirit rebirths us and secures our eternity. And the last part of what I've just read, which causes us to worship God. And then we have this amazing encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well, where he talks about a true worshipper of God is a worshipper in the spirit. So we can worship the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you. Jesus said to her, but the time is coming and it's here now when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit 
will actually be part of our worship. He is part of our worship. We actually read that we can pray in the Spirit as part of our worship. It says in Ephesians 6, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we pray in the Spirit. So we're saved and reborn by the Spirit. We're eternally secured by the Spirit. We worship through the power of the Holy Spirit and in spirit and in truth. And, and And we pray in the Spirit on all occasions. The Holy Spirit is a massive part of our Christian life. So we cry out, help Holy Spirit. Help us live out our Christian, live out our salvation. Holy Spirit, you are our God. And I'll talk more about that next week when I talk about the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, we, we don't, I don't think we turn to him enough. We turn to him for power or for influence, and I'll come to that in a little bit of time in this message, but do we turn to him as a person, as God, as our God? Let me take us deeper into the Holy Spirit, the personhood of the Holy Spirit. We cry out to him, not only help Holy Spirit as our God, but help Holy Spirit as my friend. See, the person of the Holy Spirit, he is not an, an indistinct power or thing. We often hear the Holy Spirit referred to as an it, as if he is a force. It's like a, you go to Star Wars, the, the force, like he's a force. Um, and it's almost like a force that we can control or use, like a Jedi Knight. You have the spirit, you have the force. But he, that's a really, really big misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a tool in our toolkit or a force uh, for us to take hold of. The Holy Spirit is a person. Let me come back to, to John chapter 14 when Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He very person, personhood term, is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, him, and doesn't recognise him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. These are Jesus' words. That was in John 14. And in John 16, we read these words. And I've read a little bit of it, but I'm going to read to you the context of John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus' words, for if I do not go away, the helper, that's why we call it help Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the rule of this world is judged, talking about Satan, and I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will speak on his own authority. See, he's God, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus is speaking, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That, that, That passage is just filled with Trinity. God's given to the Son. The Son says that the Spirit will declare Him. But but the reality in all of this is that the Holy Spirit, He is a person. He is someone we can relate to. He was someone who will communicate with us. 
He will pray for us. I, I've been reading uh, some writings from some, some older dudes now, D.L. Moody, living in the 1800s. D.L. Moody in his book, Secret Power, said this, The Holy Spirit has all the qualities belonging to a person. The power to understand, to will, to do, to call, to feel, to love. This cannot be said of a mere influence. The Holy Spirit possesses attributes and qualities that can only be ascribed to a person. Indeed, acts and deeds are performed by him that cannot be performed by a machine, an influence or a result. What Moody's trying to say is it, he, he is not uh, a technique. He is not an influence or a, an eerie influence. He is God. He is a person. R.A. Torrey writes these words, It is impossible to rightly understand the work of the Holy Spirit or get into right relation with the relation with the Holy Spirit himself and thus know his blessed work in our souls without first coming to know the Holy Spirit as a person. So let's just stop there. Do we know the Holy Spirit as a person? Have we cried out, help Holy Spirit? Not as a force, but as a person. Do you know he prays for us? Romans 8.27 says, He who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for the saints. I don't know about you, but I find the thought of the Spirit praying for us according to the will of God is pretty, pretty amazing, pretty comforting, pretty strengthening. I read this, I reread this in Francis Chan's Forgotten God. And I'm just thinking, wow, that's right. The Holy Spirit groans and intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit, another thing about the person of the Holy Spirit is, is he, he has emotions. It talks in the Bible, Ephesians, 60, uh, Ephesians 4 verse 30 and Isaiah 63, 10, it says he can be grieved. Let me read to you what Francis Chan said when he thought through this whole idea of us being able to grieve the Holy Spirit. See, grieving the Holy Spirit means that he can be sad. Let me read to you what Francis Chan said. I thought that was a bit of an exaggeration that we could grieve the Holy Spirit. It almost seems sacrilegious to say that I could grieve God. Who am I to have such power over the Spirit? That doesn't seem right. In fact, it even seemed wrong to say that God has feelings. For some reason, I felt it belittled him. I struggled with these thoughts for a while until I finally realized where they were coming from. In our culture, having feelings or emotions is equated with weakness. And this is a lie that is deep ingrained in many of us. I, I grew up in church life when I was younger and the idea of being emotional was in, in our faith was almost seen as those were the weak ones, those that, that didn't have a resolute faith and just were sure of God no matter whether they saw him move or the sovereign. It's almost a, a great gift, the sovereignty of God, and God is in complete control. But the idea of being, of being emotional was, was almost a sign of, well, that's a weakness in faith. The Holy Spirit, he has emotions. And I think back to even God 
having emotions. And, and I think, think to, to particularly, I think of Genesis chapter 7 where, where, where we've got Noah and we have the story of the ark and the destruction of the world and all this sort of stuff. And, and, I, see, and I see God grieving. And, and, and there's a phrase used in, in Genesis that says, when he looked upon the world and saw that it was so evil and all the hearts of men were wicked, it broke his heart. You see, this is, we know what it is to have broken hearts over things. And the Holy Spirit wants to connect with us in that. So when we have a broken heart, we can cry, help Holy Spirit. And he can identify with us because he knows what it is to be grieved and to be broken hearted. In fact, the Holy Spirit is deeply connected to love. We read in Romans 15 verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in earnest prayer to God on my behalf. In, in, I don't know whether you've been aware, but in the, in the, in the passages in the Bible which talk about the gifts of the Spirit, there's a love passage right next to it. The context of the, the demonstration of spiritual gifts is a demonstration of love. So, so when the Holy Spirit, so in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, right smack in the middle, is the great love passage in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. In, in Romans 12, there's this incredible picture of the body, and then there's this call to a deep love. In 1 Peter 4, when it talks about uh, faithfully ministering God's love or grace in its various forms when we use our gifts. In Ephesians 4, when it talks about the, the gifts that, that Christ has left for the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, um, pastors, teachers, to equip the saints so that the whole building body is built up in love. When the Holy Spirit takes hold of us, when he, 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 is, he is emo, he's an emotional God, and, and, and he will manifest emotions in us as he works in us and through us and as we come close to him. Because love will be a product of all that we do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, I love that the, that the Holy Spirit, I love that, that he is filled with emotion. I love that as we get close to him, we will probably engage more with the emotion. Well, we will. We'll engage more with the emotions God has for his world and the emotions God has for us. Another attribute of his, the person, the Holy Spirit, he has, his, he has his own desires and will. We read in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. In 1 Corinthians, we read um, that we are empowered by the one and the same spirit of portions to each one individually as he wills the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a really important reminder that the Holy Spirit chooses where the gifts go. He chooses what gifts we have. He has a will. He desires and he desires to give us the things that God intends for us. We read that just, just as God wills in Romans in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, before we play him down, he is God. He is omnipotent, omnipresent and omniscient. He's all powerful. That's what omnipotent means. Zechariah 4, 6. He's present everywhere. That's what omnipresent means. Well, Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8. He's all knowing. That's what omniscient means. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. It says in 
the scriptures that who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor. The Holy Spirit is God. And he dwells in us. I, 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 know, I know it's hard to get our head around the person of the Holy Spirit. I struggle to get my head around the person of the Holy Spirit. But the reality is he lives in us. He lives in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Don't you realise that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honour God with your body. So that's talking about how we use our body as a well. And it's talking about not using it for sexual immorality. That's the context of, context of that passage. But it's basically saying, but understand, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Better to have the Spirit inside you than Jesus beside you. Those are the words that Francis Chan shared. I read this quote from a, from from Tori, and this really, really impacted me because it made me realise that I cry out often for the Holy Spirit. It's like, I want to get hold of the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I, I, it's all about me. But let me read you this quote. If you think of the Holy Spirit as so many Christians do today as a mere influence or power, then your thought will constantly be, how can I get hold of the Holy Spirit and use it? But if you think of him in the biblical way as a person of divine majesty and glory, your thought will be, how can the Holy Spirit get hold of me and use me? We will come more to that when we talk when we talk in the week about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about us. Fill me, fill me, fill me. It's about me going, take me, take me, take me, Holy Spirit. Take me, Holy Spirit. Dominate me. Manifest the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Take hold of me. Which picks up the, 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 the image that we read in Colossians 3 of we are hidden in Christ. That Christ is what people see. Well, oftentimes we stop there and we don't, we don't actually acknowledge that people will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what people will see. Do you know there was one person in the Bible that cried out, I want more of the Spirit. Give me the Spirit um, in, in a really poor way. And it's Simon in Acts chapter 8. He wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. He just didn't get it. So the one person that said, I'm in for the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. Give me the Spirit. Can I? And he wanted to offer money for the Holy Spirit. He gets severely rebuked. It's not about us grabbing the Spirit. It's about the Spirit grabbing us. Because he is God. Let's read the Bible and, and, and maybe a free in a fresh way. I've been reading through the New Testament and looking at all the attributes of the Holy Spirit, but all the, who the Holy Spirit is, and I've been really engaged with who the person of the Holy Spirit is. I see the Trinity right through the New Testament in the most amazing ways. And we'll come to that next week. But the, far, the final thing is we've talked about help, help, help Holy Spirit, my God. Help Holy Spirit my per, as a friend. But the third one is help Holy Spirit as my strength. Back to the, the passage that we read before um, from 1 Corinthians 12, 11. And it says these words. 
empowered by one and the same spirit of portions to each one individually as he wills. And that's, a, that's about how we, we are strengthened to do ministry, to do God's will. We'll, we will come to the work of the Spirit later on, but we. But I just want to focus right now on help Holy Spirit as my strength to, to minister, to do your will. Help Holy Spirit to fulfill your mission, Acts 1a, and the Spirit of Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. Help Holy Spirit to be my strength in mission, my strength in ministry. Help Holy Spirit to bear fruit in my life, Galatians chapter 5. Help Holy Spirit as my strength. Henry Blackaby said these words, The Spirit works to enlighten us to the spiritual wealth that is ours, so we don't continue unwittingly to live in spiritual poverty. If we don't embrace who the Holy Spirit is as our God, as our friend, as our strength, we will live in that spiritual poverty. I spoke to a a young leader named Nick Kasser, He's up in Newcastle um, and I'm supposed to be his mentor, but he mentors me from time to time in a pretty amazing way. And I said, have you done anything on the Holy Spirit? And he said, you know, I love to teach on the Holy Spirit and I love to say, let's embrace the Holy Spirit in three ways, uh, in the mundane, in the miraculous and in the mysterious. I thought that was really cool. The Holy Spirit, he will work in us. He, He is in us and he'll work in us in the mundane. Uh, where he will, he, will, he, will, he will cause us to have patience, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, patience, gentleness, self-control. He, in the mundane of fruitful life, in, the, in our comings and goings, in the miraculous where he moves in power through us, where things happen that we go, that was not me. And in the mysterious, where we just... We'll never get a handle. We'll never grasp the Holy Spirit because we can't grasp God. We, 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 can't, we, we see Jesus and, we, and he constantly surprised those that are around him. To think that it would be any different if Jesus was beside us right now, it wouldn't be. So I embrace the mysterious of the Holy Spirit. We embrace the mundane in our day to day, letting the Holy Spirit take hold of us. And we embrace the miraculous where he moves in power. So I'm not saying that there's not power in the spirit. Obviously, there's power in the spirit. The Bible talks about it. But let's let's embrace the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's cry to him, help Holy Spirit. We cry, help Holy Spirit in this series. This is the intro message. This was the one to get us thinking through the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can actually read some of Francis's chants. Uh, material in the book Forgotten God, which is really good. Uh, Secret Power by D.L. Moody is really good. Uh, R.A. Torrey writes brilliantly on the Holy Spirit. Henry Blackaby writes a little bit on the Holy Spirit in hearing God. These are some of the things I've been reading, but just actually the best thing to read is the New Testament. Read John 4, 14 and John 16 and hear what Jesus says of the Holy Spirit. But let's go on a journey of, of bringing the Holy Spirit alive in our lives, or, or probably more, allowing the Holy Spirit to come alive because he's deposited in our hearts when we give our lives to Jesus. I hope you have a good series. Um, I hope you tap into this beautiful part of who God is. And I don't stand here with all knowledge. I stand here as a learner and I want to grow in the Holy Spirit taking hold of me 
rather than me taking hold of a force or an influence to do God's will. I want the Holy Spirit to take hold of me. I need help, Holy Spirit. Let me pray. So we turn to you, Holy Spirit, and we cry, help, Holy Spirit. Help, Holy Spirit. We need you. We thank you that you that you are in us. We thank you that, that you are a, a gift. Thank you that you are a relationship. And Lord, we may not fully understand you. Holy Spirit, we may not fully understand you. But we cry out to you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would you would lead us in this series to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.